Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from just outside of New York City. From an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling, J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Uh, You know, this is one of those podcasts, Andrew, where I'm really excited because it's a little bit of everything. It's, It's when you go to a party and... The finger food is just magnificent. There's a whole scope of it. And I feel like that's what this podcast is tonight. Especially when you arrive early at that party or right on time. Well, I mean, you've you embarrassed yourself once by turning up at our. No, it was double embarrassment. So we had our Christmas party mm-hmm. and you turned up, I mean, hours before everybody else. But exactly when I was supposed to. Right. But like the party time, you don't turn up exactly at the party time. I thought this was a, a rule that was known. So uh, and continue. You, sat, you literally came in and you said, I have to leave. I'll sit on the stairs, but I can't be here. Well, because you had said the party started at eight o'clock and I got there promptly at eight oh one, roughly eight the, o'clock, maybe but, but, exactly. But the party starts means we'll start receive like you can. People can start coming then in and around that time. But like nobody ever does. So I hope you take this the right way with how it's intended. So that is a rule. I agree. But it's you're but it's you. Yeah. I like was fu- you like you're one of my closest friends. If right. this is a party of like, you know, like a, a, another teacher at Amanda's school, I don't really know. Like then, yeah, I, I don't need to be the first one there. But like it's you. Yeah, and I was fine with it, but but the, Darcy, you... re- your your girlfriend recoiled in horror. I knocked on the door, she opened it, saw it was me, and said, "Of course you'd be here now." Did she? It was some, jokingly, in a in a fun way, but I'll something to that effect. But of course, you, it's you. You've kept it with you all these years. That's like five or six years ago. The point being, um, I, like I was delighted to see you. It was fine, but you then just typically you did. I oh, know I can't stay. I I'll go and come back. 
you know, incredible. Like just you're all. And by the way, Andrew is live tonight and I'll, I'll tweet this out mm-hmm. uh, and put it on Instagram too. at CO soccer pod caught offside ESP or no, not caught offside ESPN caught offside pod on Instagram. Uh, Andrew's live from a library tonight. These are all my books. Behind there him is a they shelf are. full of books. I've uh, read. Every, I've actually read all of these. There was a time have? in my life when I did read. It was years ago. Um, but I, I, there was a time, JJ, when I was I was much like you, and I read. I adore to read. I got to work anyway, on as we do more and more video stuff with YouTube and all that. I got to work on this background situation. I don't know what to do. There's just not places. I, I don't know. I. I I got to figure this out. There's not places th- in my house that are conducive to this. I think you should go turn the table the other way, have both the washer and the dryer in it, and just say, this is who I am. This is the kind of guy I am. Deal with me. Yeah. And if you don't like it, whatever. But by the way, do you want to tell people what's on the podcast? Because uh, I think they'll be excited. This is a podcast that people will be excited about. It's a little bit of a throwback. Haven't done one of these in a while, JJ, but... You know, they they thought at ESPN that they had kept all of our our items and things behind. That it was locked away in a vault. It was taken like like Raiders of the Lost Ark. It was taken down into the basements of ESPN, and uh, they thought that things would be stored away forever there, never to be seen again. But late one night, I, I was able to sneak in. I still had my company key, and I got in JJ, and I managed to recover the. No way. The wheel of football. The wheel of football, JJ. I how have did you, it. How did you sneak a massive wheel past security? Don't worry about it. I'm very stealth in my movements. I mean, if you tucked it up your jumper, you could say it was another one of your hideous lumps that from your weird body syndrome. <laughs> well, the fact of the matter is I have it, and that's all that matters. So we're going to do the wheel, JJ. And then at awesome. the end of this podcast... Uh, another surprise, another throwback. We have Red Cards and Man of the Match back tonight. So this is like, I mean, if you if you were listening to this podcast in like 2015, you're going to feel right at home tonight. Yeah. It's like, it's you, like getting back in a time machine. Yeah. And if you weren't, it's going to be absolutely jarring and maybe even disturbing. Well, what do you say? Uh, should we uh, should we take this old baby for a spin? Yeah, we should take it for a spin. And you should also just clarify that we don't have the Wheel of Football jingle. That got lost in the in the archives. Yeah, that that one they did keep. <laughs> I don't yeah, know where we, that is. We'll have to we'll have to dig that out though. I thought I salvaged everything. I don't know where that is. Okay. It, it's why we started late tonight. It's why I'm I'm frazzled. I'm not myself. Uh, I'm not happy about it. I have you're everything. Like, you're like Graham Potter at a press conference. I even found caught offside back for more. Which actually would make people even happier. They they could care less about the wheel of football jingle. They would love to hear that. Yeah, we're but releasing no. that at some point. You it will happen. I'd rather just do another one than release that one. You know, this is it all would be, a conversation for another day. It would be your difficult second album. It'd be tough for you. Uh, what do you say? Should we give it a spin here? So, for those who don't know, JJ and I we we take out the our wheel of football. We put um a number of different categories on it at different parts of the wheel, much like a, a wheel of fortune. If that helps you to visualize what's going on here. And then I'll, we'll spin it. The wheel will stop on a different soccer related topic and we don't know what it'll be. Uh, whatever it lands on, that's what we then kind of dive into and discuss. So it's a fun way of kind of just hitting on all kinds of things. It makes for beautiful content during a FA cup week, generally, 
Uh, and that is, of course, where we are right now. So here we go. You ready, JJ? You want Let's to take go. the first spin? Yeah, allow me to with my with my weak hands. Oh, Barcelona. First, yeah, first spin. Barca back in front. JJ is what it lands on. Of course, a reference to Barcelona beating Atletico Madrid, going three points up in La Liga. Um, this is an interesting one. Uh, and I should just say about the game first off, Usman Dembele scored 22nd minute. That was enough. 1-0 was the final. Uh, and so Barcelona are now ahead of Real Madrid, 41 points, 38 points. That's what the top of the table looks like. You know, it's interesting with Barcelona because I feel like they're – tell me if this is too strong. I don't think it is. I feel like their disastrous Champions League campaign has kind of shaded the way we're going to view this season. But if you're able to kind of remove yourself from the disappointment of that and take a look at what's going on here, it's it's actually it's actually quite good. Yes. I mean – the the fact that they've gone three points clear is in no small part of the, part of the fact that Real Madrid dropped points. Um, Barca came back from the World Cup. They weren't exactly flying. I mean, they had a shaky enough re-entry into La Liga. But this game, I mean, if you if you looked at the reaction of the players after the game, it felt more like a big cup win rather than a league game. They were absolutely delighted. Now Griezmann could have could have squared things up late on in the game. So they, they avoided that. But um, there was some interesting interesting quotes from Andreas Christensen. It means a lot for us. The atmosphere in the dressing room had to be good. And it's through the roof right now. We are very happy. We played a good game, some scary moments, a difficult ending to the first half, but we feel solid. So this, certainly in the Barcelona dressing room, this feels like a, a turning point in the season, certainly in the in the domestic season. And maybe maybe this is the point at which they go on and 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 uh, claim the title. I mean, it could be. It might be one of those games that they, that they look back on at the end of the season as as a turning point kind of victory. That's a tough place to go on the road to Atletico Madrid. You know, Simeone and that style. Uh, and so, you know, for them to kind of eke one out, that's uh, it's huge. Now, if you look at them, JJ, uh, you know, obviously, so much is is looked at with Barcelona with you know what they have up front, Lewandowski. You know, but like take a look at the back at what's going on. Six goals in 16 league matches for Barcelona, their lowest total through this many games in 36 years. Uh, Araujo, Christensen, who you mentioned, they've been excellent in central defense. Uh, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, 12 clean sheets. Uh, and, you know, I guess they still play that sort of, you know, the, the obvious Barcelona possession is the best form of defense style. Yeah. And, you know, the team that, that went out as well, um, I was reading some match reports, you know, it was more of a, a four-man midfield um, than a three-man midfield. But there was Pedri getting forward. Um, and uh, Pedri said this, Xavi is to blame for today's goal. He always tells me to get more into the area and shoot to take risks, to dare, to try a one-on-one. -on -one. I feel more and more comfortable up top for which Xavi is to bla blame for today's goal. Obviously, He's talking about the lead into Dembele's goal. Um, yeah, I mean it. It looks, it looks good, um, in the league for them. And you're right. I can't. It's hard to shake that, that that kind of poor Champions League and everything that's floating around the club with their finances and the way mm -hmm. things are being handled. But you have to say maybe 
Javi is doing his best in difficult circumstances and a league win would be would be I mean it'd be nothing to sniff at. Well, I mean they're at a point total at this stage in the season that when they've been here before they've won. Right. Uh, a couple times under Pep they had 41 points through through this many games and they won the league this year and and Javi is you know right now he's replicating that. I just think that everything feels different with Barcelona right now because it's post Messi. Yeah. Uh, you know, like we said, we, we've talked about their financial issues, which always kind of clouded the way we looked at them because they were in the news for so many negative reasons for, for a number of years that we just kind of like grew accustomed to viewing them through that kind of lens. Um, but I guess we're kind of in one of those moments right now where you do sort of have to remind yourself that it's, it's not all bad, that they are still in many respects, they are still Barcelona. I mean, Look, ultimately, the Champions League oftentimes is how they judge their success. So if, if that's how they judge it, you know, who are why why should we be any different? But it, look, if they go on and win the league in a year where Real Madrid are defending Champions League Champions League holders um, and still ex- an extremely strong team, at a certain point we have to move on from the fact that they didn't qualify for the knockout stage of the Champions League. We always say, I mean, what is it we say, JJ, is that ultimately, look, the Champions League is the trophy that you want to win and it's the one that's most coveted, but like we're kind of in agreement that you're, how you do in your league is is sort of the measure of how good you are. It is a recalibration like you said earlier to kind of think about this team post Messi, but even post like say Gerard Pique, we barely spoke because just the way the world cup rammed into everything, barely spoke about his kind of mid season retirement and, you know, taking all that experience out of the dressing room. And maybe it's actually a good thing because he, he clearly wasn't the player he was before. And and that defense, the central, the center of that defense might be better off um, with him not being around. Look, it's, I don't know. I look at the team and I, I you do see some players, you know, you see Gavi, you see Pedri, but they're very young. Ansu Fati, the same way. Usman Dembele, you see every bit of him, The you know, the light and the shade in one game. You know, he's good and then he's bad. He still scored the winner, which is great. And uh, Frankie de Jong as well. I don't know. They just, they, they're definitely still a team in transition. But I mean, if they can hold their own in the league, like you said, that is the basis uh, for the team to develop. Uh, you want to spin it again? Yeah, let's give it a spin. Okay, here we go. Um, oh, um, I'm going to read what you've written on the wheel for this one. Mm. Zidane says Zidon't. Yeah. All right. Are, are you are you proud of yourself? Uh yes i I write New York Post headlines in my spare time. <laughs> It's what I have to do. Uh, yes, what that means, JJ, is that Zinedine Zidane has apparently rejected advances from the U.S. to coach the men's national team. Um, I guess when I saw this headline, the Zidane says they don't, I I went through a couple different phases of, of how I perceived that. My uh, My initial one was, who do we think we are? Kind of, you know, like this the guy went through. Yeah, basically, this guy won three consecutive Champions Leagues. He's one of the greatest players of all time. Like, what are we're like? Look, you know, huh? What? But then, you know, I kind of stopped myself after that, and I was like, no, 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 stop this! Like this mentality, you know. Like, first off, you don't know if you don't try. He's a manager that's out there. Who knows how motivated he is to get back? And like, I'm gonna be arrogant for a sec here. If I had the zapper, I would zap myself, but so be it. Like, you know, 
the U.S. men's national team, it should be a high-profile job. And I don't think that they're crazy for thinking that it, it was worth putting feelers out to see if that he would be interested. I, I got I got no problem with it. I'm mad at myself for my initial reaction and kind of scoffing at the idea that he would come manage here. Who, who knows? Who knows? Uh, you know, maybe there was a time uh, Jurgen Klinsmann managed the German team to a semifinal of a World Cup. You know, his stock was high. Maybe there was a time when I might have said, Klinsmann, what are we thinking? Who do we think we are getting Klinsmann? Well, he came here. You know, now we look at it differently because of how it went and how it ended. Yeah. But like, so, you know, good for them to try yeah. and aim big. Yeah, if, for me, because I don't carry that kind of self-loathing. In fact, it, like it kind of irritates me sometimes with U.S. soccer fans. Like, I'm like, God, just get on with it when this kind of stuff comes up. But um, I never, like, I never thought this was a runner. First of all, we should clarify that most of the of the the solid reporting on this says that you know the U.S. approached his agent, and it didn't even really get any further than. Thanks, but no. Yeah. Um, so there was no talks. There was nothing like that. I mean, for, from anybody who watches the U.S. broadcast of the Champions League would know from Thierry Henry, who was uh, friends with Zidane from his playing days, that he was hyper-focused on getting the French job. Like, that was the focus. That was what he wanted to do. And there wasn't going to be anything else. And Thierry Henry was very uh, steadfast in that opinion. On the on the Paramount coverage of the Champions League, now though, um, that's not happening. So I was in your house yesterday, Andrew. Um, by the way, lovely to be there. It was it was great to be at Chateau Chateau Gundling. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda amazing made a lovely dinner for us. Fantastic, um, which was you know interrupted every now and again by your by your son. I mean, he's getting tight spirals, but, you know, just throwing a football at me, at my face. Across um, the dinner table. Yeah, thankfully, I have cat-like reactions, and so I was able to fend the ball away. It was but, something. Um, you, you got the authentic experience, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I got the, I got the, I got the full Jack and Luke. Uh, <laughs> it was fun. But um, so I, I looked at my phone uh, maybe about 10 minutes before I was supposed to leave, and I said to you, oh, uh, this from Kylian Mbappe. Uh, Kylian Mbappe, Zidane c'est la France, on manque pas de respect à la légende comme ça. So that is, Zidane is France. We don't respect the legend like that. And automatically, me and you, who's he talking about? And so we thought it was some kind of act of dissent that Deschamps had been renewed through the next two tournaments, the European Championships and the World Cup. Now, it doesn't mean they wouldn't sack him if they had a terrible European Championships, but that's a vote of confidence for an international manager who you said yesterday is he's out there on his own, really, in a lot of the things that he's done. He might he wants to add that second trophy, I'm sure of it, yeah. to kind of cement that legacy, but he's been fantastic. And then I discovered it wasn't that. It was 81-year-old president of the French FA, Noel Legrette, who ha- may have some regrets mm. about what he said. He did actually apologize afterwards, but this is what he said. Now, this is full uh, drunk uncle, um, me after a few beers with you, telling you what I really thought of people at ESPN. This is what that is. Um, who can make serious reproaches to Deschamps? Nobody. He, 
Zidane, does what he wants. It's none of my business. I've never met him. We've never considered parting with Didier. He can go where he wants, to a club. If Zidane tried to contact me, certainly not. I wouldn't even pick up the phone. Now, yeah, that is... And you missed the beginning, too, when he was asked, you know, about... Um, so, reading from ESPN FC, it says, when asked whether Zidane, a World Cup winner with France in 1998, a national icon, would now manage Brazil instead. And yeah. Lefebvre told RMC, quote... I don't give a damn. He can go wherever he wants. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's the disrespect that uh, Kylian Mbappe was was referencing. And, uh, you know, Mbappe being a, a, a Madridista, a, a hardcore uh, Hala Madrid guy. By the way, can we also talk about the apology? Now, I haven't pulled the whole thing here, but in part of it, the part that stood out to me is where he says he later apologized and said that his comments created a, quote, misunderstanding. <laughs> What's getting lost in translation here? He but clearly the- has no time for the guy. Like it, it, It's clear as day. I don't give a damn. He can go wherever he wants. If what was it, JJ? If he called me, I wouldn't answer the phone. I wouldn't even pick up the phone. <laughs> What's the misunderstanding? No, I mean, th- but he that's cl- nothing of him. I- isn't that the classic answer, though, um, that you give? No, one of two things are happening. He's had a few shandies <laughs> and he said this, or this is like him being over emphatic about being bullish about how good Deschamps is because he does start it with who can make serious reproaches to Deschamps. It's like a, I'm going to bash this obvious icon of French football but I'm going to use it as a device to build up Deschamps and how amazing it is. But even as a, a verbal device, it's a terrible way. Like, you know, I would never speak about, about you that way. Yeah, no, no, certainly, certainly not. Not privately, only publicly. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it might be a little bit of what you're saying. Like, clearly he has an affinity for Deschamps and as, as he should for what Deschamps has done, both as a player and manager for French football. Um, I wonder too, a little bit sometimes, JJ, if like, you know how we can all get. I mean, you say maybe he's had a few to drink. It may not even have been that. He's sometimes, 81. Sometimes That's another... it, yeah. And like, you know how people can be. Like sometimes when you're when you're a little too comfortable in a situation, you say things that maybe try to make you sound bigger than yeah. than what you are. And so I think maybe it's like it's a little bit of that going on here. Um, and he just sort of then like you know, he got too comfortable. Um, you know, he got a legend was brought up to him. You know, he thinks, you know, I'm, I'm 81. I'm a legend. I'm the president of this association. You know, who is he? Like, forget him, you know, but, but ultimately you're, you're not the player, the fans, everybody will always revere the player. Zidane is the legend. All right. It's not this guy. And it's uh, never, so, the, like, it would, it wouldn't be the first time a blazer has tried to steal the limelight and, and put himself, you know, in his central position. So, and so, and then though, the funny thing about it was, the reaction, like it wasn't enough for people to just be like, who does this guy think he is? It, was, it wasn't enough for like Twitter commentary no. or, you know, talk radio. No, like politicians and clubs, they released official statements in response to this, which is, I mean, think of just like the icon you have to be to be yeah. for you to be mocked. I mean, even mocked is strong. Like he was disrespected. It's not like he was, you know, this wasn't the worst thing I've ever heard said about somebody, but still all these 
prominent entities felt the need to release statements on it, which I thought was funny. Uh, Zito Madu, who we've referenced a few times, he had a tweet on it that I thought was good. He said, uh, it takes real idiocy to disrespect someone so revered that everyone from clubs to star players of the national team and French politicians are putting out statements telling you to watch your mouth. Incre- incredible. And also talk about misreading the room. Oh, yeah. But also you're in the firmament of French football. You know who Zidane is. Pick your words carefully. Uh, but but I, I am so curious. Uh, you know, now is a is a spurned, scorned Zidane a dangerous enemy for French football to have? Like, how does he treat it? Is he is he like a, a guy who who will use that as you know poster board material and he'll go and take Brazil? And and try and revamp them and go after France in 2026, or will he even try and get a job in Europe? I, although I can't think of one, I can't think of one uh, that that he could get where he would try and take down <laughs> the French at the European Championships. That's 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 the real intrigue for me. No, I think this uh, is the perfect moment for the U.S. to place another phone call. Hi, Zinny. How are we looking I, now? Yeah, no, because about us. No, but he's gonna. Well, he's gonna look at us and and he's gonna say, "Oh, nice midfield, mm, d- you know, decent centre back, okay, full backs. Don't have a number nine. I, am I equipped to do the most damage to France with the U.S. men's national team?" And the answer would be no. Uh, just the idea of him, though. You're right. I agree. He's not. This is not going to happen again. Props to the U.S. for for trying. It's worth a shot. Why not shoot your Probably. shot? Worst he can say is no. Um, but I was thinking about it. So let's say on the one hand, I also like it too, JJ, because it, uh, it does show them expanding a little bit beyond some of the boundaries that they had set for themselves the last time they made uh, a managerial move, you know, like, cause Zidane is not English is hardly this guy's first language or no. second language. Um, but you know, so we know that the, you know, the constraints on that the last time around, uh, that the U.S. wanted an English-speaking manager. By the way, I do see that there's value in that, um, but I guess I'm just using this as as a kind of way of showing that maybe they're prepared to loosen up some of the reins on uh, on the decisions they make for who this next manager will be. Not to say that it might not still be Bearhalter. Who knows? It, it, it's just up in the air right now. Um, but I'm just wondering about Zidane's style, going from a Bearhalter to a Zidane. Um, it, it feels like such a dramatic shift in terms of the leader in that room. And I wonder if it's the right sort of shift for this group, this young group. They had a what appeared to be, for the most part, um, a player-friendly manager. Um, you know, it seemed to be you know, like buddies at times. Like We always heard about the, the vibes in the room, the culture that was set. Everybody felt good there. Usually, I guess I guess we can no longer say that in a blanket yeah. statement sort of way. But Zidane would come into that room, and I feel like it would the entire dynamic would sh- would completely change. I'm not saying that things weren't serious before; I'm sure they were. But like just bringing the Zidane demeanor into that room, uh, I, I I just can't help. It's almost hard to picture in well, how it, players it, would respond to him. It is, and in fairness to Greg, you know, Greg had had certain kind of principles he wanted of play, whereas. Zidane, when he took the Real Madrid job, had probably the best, one of the best midfields in the world. He had, for a period, three of the best strikers in the world. 
and some decent fullbacks and some decent center backs. That's not what he has. It's so different. Like we've never seen Zidane actually have to build something. That's the thing. And there would yeah. be a certain amount of building and renovation that would be needed on the U.S. men's national team. So it's it's so pie in the sky. It's almost yeah. It's hard to imagine. And he would want to walk into, if not a sure thing, a, a thing that takes him being able to tweak little things on a on a brilliant team rather than build a brilliant team. And that for me will be probably the big the big thing that I why I wouldn't even hire him if he was available. There'd be too much work to do, and we've never seen that he's been able to do that. And how would he be able to do it within Windows? You know, you've only got this period with them. You've only got that period. Um, imagine trying to explain to Zidane, hey, for this camp, you're just going to have the MLS guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of culture, football and cultural barriers there, I think. Yeah, I would agree. All right, let's go for another spin here, JJ. Ah, that's right. The magic returns. The FA Cup, JJ, third round action. Hit the noise. Hit the noise. Ah, there it is. That's the sound everyone came for, Andrew. The sound that we had to rescue from the vault. Uh, Third round action, Andrew. Yeah, it's when the big boys come in and get mixed amongst the minnows. That's right. So we'll go through a couple of the, uh, I guess, some of the more marquee results from the uh, the third round of the FA Cup. Um, JJ, America's team, Wrexham, they <laughs> defeat Coventry 4-3. Uh, yeah, I saw something in the wake of this, that their odds of winning the FA Cup are now 750-1, to which sort of put in perspective for me, what, what was Leicester City again? 3,000 to 1? Yeah. <laughs> Just if that doesn't put in perspective just how ridiculous Leicester City winning the Premier League was, like Wrexham are non-league, but they're seven fifty yeah. to one to win the FA Cup. Yeah, I mean this was a great game. This was a tremendously fun game, and uh, and Coventry, who are fourteenth in the Championship, um, you know they represent a, a, f- a steep step up for Wrexham. Yeah, uh, despite Wrexham's, I was going to say largesse, but. It's not fair. I would say they are, they are much more moneyed than the average side in the national in the Vanarama National League. Sure, uh, much more, Andrew. Yeah, and, that is uh, true. And you know, um, but but still, uh, Covent, Coventry. I mean, Wrexham probably deserved it. I thought Coventry had a couple of chances, maybe to when they were on top to to equalize and then go ahead. Um, but Wrexham kind of held them off and and I mean to score four goals away from home is is amazing. Look, I've I think my my thoughts on Wrexham they're fairly well known. I have the same thoughts about Salford as well and the project there. Like I get how it's so cool for Gary Neville and all his mates that schools and gigs and Beckham to pump money into Salford and then get them up to to League 2. And I, I like I do understand that, but it is financial doping. But you know, it just is. Salford would not be where they are. They were able to buy a striker in Adam Rooney from the third best team in Scotland at the time and pay him better wages than the Scottish Premier League team. That's financial doping. You look at the way that um Wrexham are able to get Paul Mullen in, who was probably could have been at a you know, a top league one side, uh, as their as their striker, but he's 
dropped two divisions and is still not financially any the less for it. But I've, I've decided that I will not focus on that right now. I will say this is a fun story um, because I did enjoy the documentary and it's hard to have anything against McElhenney or Reynolds, um, despite the fact I think football needs to look at things like that. The, the, you know, the disparity between Wrexham and everybody else in the league is, um, is it, I don't think it's, it's fair. Um, but there we go. Uh, America's team are through, Andrew. And uh, and it was uh, it was one of the more enjoyable games of the weekend. Uh, yeah, who who is more America's team, them or AFC Richmond? JJ, I'm curious. AFC Richmond aren't a real team. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay, yeah. fair enough. What about Fulham? Fulham are more American than Wrexham. Wrexham have a cover, have a Canadian claim, if anything, they're fifty fifty. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, let's see, Manchester City they smashed Chelsea four nil. Um, I'm going to have more on this one a little bit later in the podcast, at least from the Chelsea side. If you want to go in on Man City, by all means, uh, impressive performance, JJ. They were able to sit Ederson, Holland, De Bruyne. Uh, yeah. If you can do that and you can still beat Chelsea 4-0, that's that's impressive. We've grown accustomed to it with Manchester City, but they've, they've done it again here. It probably says yeah, more no- about Chelsea right now than it does Man City. I mean, there was one point in the second half where it was – have you heard of walking football, Andrew? Uh, no, I don't know that I have. So it's like for older people. So people who can't really do the running and the physical uh, kind of, you know, it's it's basically guys who want to keep playing, but they're like in their 50s or 60s, older than that. And uh, so walking football has got all these rules to accommodate them. And in the second half, that's what it was like watching Manchester City against Chelsea. Was, you know, they were on the ball. They kept moving it, but they were sometimes. I saw Bernard Bernardo Silva. He had the the good grace not to actually put his foot on top of the ball um, to keep it away from the Chelsea uh, players. It was such a a jarring mismatch. Now I know Mendy, James, Fofana, Chilwell, Kante, Loftus Cheek, Broha, Sterling. Pulisic. We'll get to this. I have more on this. You have all this. Um, I have more on this later. So maybe maybe I'll hold off. Uh, but Graham Potter is beginning to look agitated. The media are beginning to close in on him. And the Chelsea fans, uh, the hardcore wave fans singing for Thomas Tuchel and Roman Abramovich is not helping things at all. And you realize however much Todd Bowley wants this to be a project, wants Graham Potter to have time, which I think is the right thing to do. There are other factors that will make this really toxic and really difficult if they can't get some results together. And guess what? Injuries won't matter. We know what Chelsea supporters are like. They're just not patient because the way they've been treated for the past 20 years as manager begins to lose a little bit out. Mm-hmm. Did you win the cup in the league last year, Carlo? See ya. And uh, it's hard to break out of that. And, um, and, and, uh, you fear for Graham Potter. Um, yeah. W- one other kind of random note on this one. I don't know why necessarily it made waves. It's not the first time I've seen this, but uh, people seem to be really taken with Riyad Mahrez's gloves that he was wearing. I don't know if this was a thing that even registered for you. No. Okay. Well, Do you have any issue with a player wearing a uh, short sleeve shirt and gloves? No. Okay. Because the extremities I used to, I used to think that's silly. The rest of your arms cold while your hands. But anyone who knows anything, hmm. the extremities, the nerve endings, the tips of the fingers, that's the things that get sore and uncomfortable, not the actual forearm. There you know. have it. 
Dr. No. Devaney. Uh, let's see. Sheffield Wednesday, they stunned Newcastle 2-1. Look, I know no one wants to hear this because we do get caught up in the magic and, you know, the the money. Do talk about money. You want to talk about financial doping with Wrexham? I mean, like Newcastle are really. I know, but. The, but I know no one wants to hear this because it's a fun story to see the smaller club defeat the team that's owned by Saudi Arabia. But like Newcastle, th- their priority was just simply not here. I don't think I think that this is a this was a thing that they were fine to lose. They're no, in the finals of the Carabao Cup against Leicester City absolutely uh, on not. Tuesday. Yes. Yes. No, this that's will not, not be remembered at the end of the season. They're in the quarterfinals of another tournament. That's their focus. Ooh. And they're trying to finish top four in the Premier League. Well, you are you are flying in the face of, of the thousands of Newcastle fans that traveled. And a lot of the yeah, Newcastle... Sure, I would expect people who traveled to not be thrilled that they paid money for that. But I think that this is a thing. They have a quarterfinal coming up against a team that they should beat. They've got one foot into the semifinals of the, of the League Cup right now. They got a foot in the top four of the Champions League. This was a moment where I know they'll say, Eddie Howe will say the right things publicly, but they rotated the squad heavily because they want the full squad available for Leicester City in the quarterfinal. That's what this was. So why bother bringing on Bruno Gimiarish at the, you know, in the second half? Why, you know, why start I Joe player, I mean, look, certain why players start... can come on and subs, but I'm Alexa- just saying in terms of what their priorities are, this is third. Yeah, well, I don't. I dis. I completely disagree. I think. Um, How? I, I. I don't. I don't think. I. Um. Whatever Eddie Howe thinks or not, I think this is a disaster to be losing a game like this. It really is. You know, they should be well able to beat a League One side, Andrew, and 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 continue with those other projects, as you said. That's that's ridiculous. Um, it was a it was a brilliant double, by the way, from Josh Windus. I don't. I don't want to get away from that. Like the second goal was an absolute beauty. Um. Yeah, I, 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 honestly, I, I would be with the Newcastle fans though. Some of them were that were really upset about the. I'm way saying it went. they're they've got three competitions going, and this one is clearly third in this moment because right, of where yeah. they're at in the in the other two. Look, I can't I can't argue wh- whether that's the feeling within um the management team of Eddie Howe or not. Maybe it is, but I'm I'm just going to speak for the fans here, Andrew, and say. I went online the other night and they were not happy, not happy at all. No, look, I'm sure they thought that they should. Of course, they should think that they're still good enough, even if they're playing a rotated squad to beat a League One team. I I understand that, but this could be a distant memory to later today, if they are into the semifinals of the League Cup. Yeah. Another note from this game. Uh, this was from the Press Association, and uh, people may have seen pictures on Twitter. The Football Association is to speak to officials from both clubs. After footage emerged on social media of congestion around the exit tunnel in the Leppings Lane end. I mean, reports of fans ripping out security screening to give themselves more room. I cannot believe it. So Martin Hardy, who writes for the Sunday Times, he tweeted this. A lot of you listeners sent this to me. Hillsborough 2023, Newcastle fans trying to get through the tunnel at the Leppings Lane end with more or less no stewarding 10 minutes before kickoff. Unbelievable. And it shows... Huge congestion at that area, that horrific area of Hillsborough. And um, it just looks a mess. Now, whatever crushing would ha- would happen these days, there are none of those those dreadful gates at the front to, to contain people and cause problems. But even still, what is this? What is this? How is this tunnel still a flashpoint for fans? Yeah. After everything that happened, why didn't they... Why didn't they rip that stand down? Why didn't they tear that thing down? Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. I couldn't believe it. 
to just to see the words Hillsborough and you know any kind of fan related issue. Um, yeah, I don't know how of all the places, I don't know how that can happen there. And there was some pretty, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say terrifying, but there was a lot of Newcastle fans who were there who tweeted about their experience who were very, very uncomfortable with what happened. Yeah, it's not, it's just not good enough. Uh, one more JJ Stevenage go to Villa Park and they win against Aston Villa. Now, don't pull your Newcastle stuff with it with me here, Andrew. I'm not. They, I won't it, on this one. This is a joke. No, this For, is a competition. Villa needed something in this competition. But like Villa are a club that where I'd be looking at the FA Cup and thinking, come on, why not? Um, so for Villa to be leading on the hour, home, at home to league two opposition and then lose, it's just, it's just so bad. Um, no. Anyway, Dan Bardell, he's the Aston Villa guy. You see him on Sky Sports too. Um, we yet again today as a club have said the FA Cup isn't important let me tell you it is to me and thousands of Aston Villa fans I see I think the team that they picked was okay it was Cash Bednarek at the back Dendonker in midfield although he got him sent off and gave away the penalty <laughs> Douglas Luiz Leon Bailey Danny Ings Felipe Coutinho like they should be much better this yeah. shouldn't be happening and and sometimes you can't look at the manager. You have to look at the players. Um, that's a league too. Uh, I actually, at times in it, Stevenage were impressive. Like they did little things. Now the goal, the winning goal, Andrew, I don't know if you've seen it. Um, the winning goal was by Dean Campbell. And it's a corner. Uh, and it's just kind of a short corner on the angle. And no one, no one comes out. It's so lackadaisical. And Robin Olsen is beaten at his near post with a, I, I think it's a good finish considering the angle, but Robin Olsen will probably be disappointed it went in. Just bad. Bad, bad, bad. Um, before we get out of the FA Cup stuff, uh, Leeds went to Cardiff as well and drew 2-2. And and again, it was another fan reaction. Jesse Marsh was was on Twitter trying to say, you know, well done on the comeback in the game, etc. But a lot of fans weren't having it. And there's history there between Leeds and Cardiff uh, from the FA Cup, I believe, in two, was it 2002? Uh, Leeds went there to Cardiff and it was a, a feisty encounter and Cardiff went through and I think their fans had um, in the days, Andrew, where there was uh, running battles uh, between supporters. So Leeds and Cardiff fans don't have a, I mean, that would be a, a flashpoint, a police flashpoint of a game. So they were very disappointed with that uh, 2-2 and also um, Liverpool 2, Wolves 2. Yeah. I reserve the right to not talk about that game. If someone wants to email us for the next pod and talk about it, well, I really don't want to talk about my club on this episode. I'm sick of them. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's go to the fourth spin of the wheel here, JJ. And it lands on notable transfers. We're in the January window, of course. Um, not a ton yet to speak of. Uh, some rumors, JJ, that I wanted to ask you about yes. involving Vout Veghorst. Oh, make it Manchester happen. Manchester United. God, make it happen. <laughs> it's so interesting to go. Like, so this this will be how they fill the Ronaldo void, huh? It's going to be Vout Veghorst. Two goals and 20 appearances with Burnley last year, but now he's on loan with Besiktas. He has nine goals and 18 appearances. Obviously made a little bit of a name for himself at the World Cup for both, I guess, reasons good and bad. 
Um, scored some big goals, of course, against Argentina. Also got involved in some <laughs> some fracases with Argentina. Um, fracases? Yeah, right. That's fraca. like a little fraca. Fraca. That's the plural of multiple fracai. <laughs> he was in, he was involved in a fraca. Fracases, not frick fricks. And many fracases. Fracas sounds like a breakfast cereal from Denmark. Have you eaten fracas today? Get that bowel movement you really need. Anyway, what do we think of um, wow, Manchester, Manchester United shopping in the Veghorst bin? Uh, love it. Absolutely love it. I just want him to be, I want that, that career path is just amazing to me. And I want to see it happen. Um, the other it's one's a stopgap the- signing. This is, I don't know what, the, I don't know what the end game here is other than maybe just bringing him on in the 78th minute if they need a goal and, and maybe he's that guy. Well, sure. In the same way, Marko Arnautovic was being scouted by uh, Eric Ten Hag earlier on. There's clearly some value he sees in what in in the in the fashion that they play that that they don't have uh, to use the lazy quote. Some give us something different, you know. And they are boys. Vote Veghor something different, you know. This is the guy who was bought in at Burnley, couldn't keep them up. It was their record signing? Um, what a what an amazing career arc that would be to end up at Old Trafford. Um, Joao Felix appears to be done uh, a loan deal to Chelsea mm. um, from Atleti. Uh, don't know if this is really what they need, but a lot of the signings under Todd Bowley haven't been what they need. Although Todd Bowley says now that he's stepping aside um, from football. Well, not from football, but from what? the decision making okay he, he will no longer be like this the sporting director per se I and mean, he's still signing the checks it's still his money so he will have a, a say in some things for sure um i don't know how to feel about that like a lot of chelsea fans are happy that it doesn't cost that much but is he get is he the kind of guy that comes in and kickstarts this uh it, no i don't believe so no it doesn't feel like it no yeah i don't see that at all for what it's worth i've seen that uh it's not done. Advanced talks is the term that I've seen applied to it. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, oftentimes that that leads to, um, obviously, to this being signed, sealed, and delivered. But uh, not quite yet. So we'll see where that goes. Um, back in the U.S., JJ, one thing, we, we forgot to mention this. I think last week or two weeks ago, uh, Aaron Long is now with LAFC. I wanted to get that in there. Um yeah. Say what you want about him in terms of his place with the national team. I know that his you know consistent role starting during qualifying frustrated fans at times, but he is a good defender, and I think it's a good move for LAFC. I don't see any real downside to it uh, for them, and so I, I thought it, it did bear mentioning for the the reigning champions to add a piece that I think is pretty valuable in defense for them. So just wanted to mention that. Yes. Um, you have any others? It's it's been fairly quiet right now. I know Arsenal are still their talks with Mudrick continue. Uh, nothing really new to report on that front. Um, yeah, this. I mean, it's early still. It's only January 9th when we're recording this, so the, there's still a lot of time for this window to materialize. But up to this point, it's been fairly quiet. I would say. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. I really don't. Although I. I think Modric would be such a great signing for Arsenal. I also think it's kind of important that they get him and someone else doesn't. That's how highly I think of him. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Like we said last time, if it means if it means having to overpay, I think Arsenal. Uh, like I, I understand why they're going to wait this out. 
potentially and see if they can get him on, on a little bit better of a deal than what's going to be asked of them. Um, because look, everyone knows where they're at right now and how meaningful this would be for them. But I kind of think, like I said last week, they got to go for it. <laughs> like they're this, this is getting real serious in terms of this title chase. They can't squander this opportunity. Now it's funny though, because then you see in the FA cup and recently like Eddie and Ketia scores is scoring goals now for them. And so, you know, they're getting contributions from everybody, but I don't know. I just, I don't think they can take chances right now, knowing what a beast Manchester city is uh, in chasing them. I just think that if they have the opportunity to really boost in a meaningful way, they've got to do it. Even if it means overspending, I just, just how I see it. All right. Last spin of this wheel, JJ ready. Okay. And here we go. Ah. Oh, yeah. Now, if people have thought that Andrew's been uh, abrupt or short or tetchy with me, it's because he's been so excited to race towards this turn of the wheel. Yep. Bale bids goodbye is what it landed on, JJ. Gareth Bale announcing today somewhat abruptly. Yeah. Uh, that he is retired, not just from international football with Wales, but from all football, from club play as well. That's it. We have seen the last of Gareth Bale. He's only 33 years old. I mean, uh, look, what we've seen of him in the last few years, like I, I want to say, boy, 33. Like Benzema just won a Ballon d'Or at 34. Like look what Luka Modric was doing at the World Cup at his age. Like Messi, you know, so I look at Bale, a 33-year-old, and say that, oh, man, there's more there's more football for him to give. But it's hard to say that when you look mm-hmm. at what his – at least what his club performances have been over the last couple seasons. Um, it's hard to say that there's a lot more good football for him to give. I mean, maybe if, if he came back to MLS with LAFC and had an extended run, uh, you know, wasn't kind of biding his time for a major tournament with Wales, and he could just kind of go for it on the MLS front, then – you know, maybe we would get that version of him here, but I don't really know if he can stay healthy enough. Uh, maybe we've seen the best. We, I'm sure we have seen the best of Bale, and maybe it's it's for the best that he steps away now. No, I think physically his decline. I mean, you you talk about his teammate at Real Madrid. I mean, Modric, he just hasn't had the significant injuries that Bale has had. Benzema either. They're in better physical shape. He finds it very hard to get on the field for a prolonged period of time, as LAFC fans can attest to. And when he does, you got to save him for the big one, which was the final. He's His performances at the World Cup were... It was pretty shocking now, Andrew. It was pretty bad. and He, he was really not... a non-factor. I mean, I know he's, he converted the penalty, but overall, just like through the run of play, he was not really... He was no. not a factor at this tournament. No one will really remember Gareth Bale's performances. At this no, and if time. you could say one thing from the last, I would say, five years, um, certainly since that night in Kiev, he's always been able to pull out performances, maybe even longer, six, seven years, for Wales. Always. Even when the club scene wasn't going well, whether he was hurt or uh, he was out of favour or not playing at all, almost on the golf course, so to speak, at Real Madrid. He was able to put up performances for Wales. And I'd say maybe the World Cup was just a reality check for him there that I I can't keep doing this. I mean, the European Championship is only 18 months away. It's amazing to think that he's in that poor shape that he couldn't push on, stay at LAFC 
I, you know, break, break, make a deal with them. Say, listen, warm weather, good physios, good medical. I'll play X amount of games for you. I'll do this much and try and keep himself fit for one more game, one more run at it with Wales. But one more run at what? I mean, he'd have to play qualifiers. He'd have to do all those things. And his, his, his body just looks, I mean, like you said, he was a non-event. The writing was on the wall. And even though it's 33, as I've been told, you can have limbs that are much older than that, than, than your actual age. And that's it. He's such a fascinating figure in this in the history of this sport. I wonder if you asked him, JJ, what his most meaningful achievement was, what his answer would be. Would it be the, the, the Champions Leagues? Would it be getting Wales to a World Cup? Would it be the run that he led Wales on at the European Championships? Would they get to a semifinal? Yeah, they um, did. I, I wonder I really wonder how he would answer that. I think twenty sixteen. Myself. Okay. Um, I think twenty sixteen. I think those, what was it, two seasons at Tottenham, which really catapulted him towards Real Madrid, I think were, they they were his peak. They were his absolute peak because it's not like he didn't achieve things at Real Madrid, but he was never the main man there. He was never a guaranteed starter. And he did, he, he, he I mean, he created this kind of cameo role for himself. Um I mean, did we honestly think he'd still be at Real Madrid after the bicycle kick in 2018? Probably not. Um, there was lots of talk about him there and his relationship with Zidane. So I think I think the first European Cup he won uh, in, in 2014 with Real Madrid, I think that would have meant an awful lot to him. I think, the, you know, qualifying Wales for a World Cup and 2016 and that time at Tottenham, I, I think those would be the standout things for him if you if, if you were to ask him. Yeah, I mean, we should say, would you say he was with Tottenham for six seasons? I mean, he was there for a long time. Yeah, um, but but I think he had, but there was two where he was just well, his his well, so we'll get to it in a sec because I I've I've actually picked out my top five bail goals of all. Of course, time. you have. Uh, so we'll go through that in a sec. Before we get to that, though, I just wanted to mention uh, Sid Lowe had a tweet about Bale. He said, Gareth Bale, best European Cup final goal ever, best Copa del Rey final goal ever, five European Cups. Um, and, you know, you, you could talk about that, the the, Europe, the European Cup final goal, the Copa del Rey final goal. And you could say even go ahead, add to that maybe the most memorable MLS Cup final goal of all time uh, in the 128th minute. Yeah, to, to send it to penalties. Now, um, people have been asking us on Twitter, and we might as well do this before we get to your list. Uh, is he the greatest British footballer ever? I, I mean, he's the most. He's got to be the most decorated with five European Cups. Yeah, hmm, is what he? A question. I mean, that's really tough, and you're spanning eras as well. At one point, I I pondered this question all day, and thanks to the listeners that sent it to me. Um, I was doing the dishes and I thought about it. And at one point I said, I asked myself, was he the, even the best Welsh player of all time? Like when you look at Giggs's longevity, Giggs's Premier League trophies and his two European Cups, does that trump his five? Because in some of those, he wasn't fully involved. That's uh, tricky. Bobby tough. Charlton. Yeah, Bobby I mean, Charlotte, unbelievable player, a World Cup winner, a European Cup winner. Like who else? Yeah, I guess we have to figure out who's in this conversation. Jimmy Greaves, um, 
Is he in the conversation? No, probably not. Jimmy Greaves okay. wouldn't have the European decoration he has, although right. he has so many goals. Uh, you're talking, you're talking Bobby Charlton. You're talking George Best. You're talking um, Kenny Daglish. That's another one. Kenny Daglish, European Cup winner, never had the. Inter- I suppose Scotland. He did qualify for World Cups with Scotland, but serial league winner with Liverpool, serial trophy winner. Um, those are th- that's that's the kind of Jimmy Johnston. That's the kind of. I mean, John Charles as well. Uh, who went to Italy? Went abroad when when British players didn't really go abroad in the fifties and sixties. So, that is the kind of people you're talking about, and it's across eras as well, which makes it more more difficult. But he's but it's fair though that he's in the conversation with oh, all yeah. those guys. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's interesting because I do wonder if history is going to remember him as this player who. He couldn't really stay healthy. His career fizzled out, but he was a scorer of big goals. And, you know, that's what he'll be labeled as. Like, oh, Gareth Bale, you know, he would disappear at times, but boy, he could score some big goals in big moments. And those highlights will live on forever. I do think that that is a little bit of an unfair perception of of Bale as a player. Um, I mean, 106 goals in 258 appearances for Real Madrid. (laughs) Like this was not a guy who just popped up in the occasional final, scored a great goal, and then you didn't hear from him until next year's final. 106 goals and 258 appearances. If you told Real Madrid in the beginning, okay, you're going to pay a hundred plus million for this guy, and this is what the, this is the production that you're going to get from him. You know, you can list all the trophies, you can, and you can list those goal totals. I think they'd do it. I think they'd say, yeah, that's we'll take it. That's money well spent. I really believe I, that. I do think so too. I. But but I there is a part of me that agrees with your first statement that, you know, this was a guy who promised more on leaving Tottenham. Not more, because he couldn't give him much more in terms of like accolades and trophies. But I I I think he didn't play enough. Uh, I mean that that may be true, and you know we've we've had conversations at length on this podcast about. For whatever reason, he didn't click with the fans, whether or not that was because, you know, it seemed like he just never really was willing to kiss the ring, I guess, of of the Real Madrid supporters in the way that maybe they would have liked him to. You know, his he was always clear where his, prior, his, his priorities, at least later in his career, felt like it was with the Welsh. Um, you know, he was critical of Real Madrid fans when they booed him, which yeah. kind of, I can understand that. Um, he played with, he also played in a side with, the world's greatest center forward, but also the world's greatest egotist. I mean, it can't have been easy to to play with Ronaldo in that way, especially with Bale being coming to Madrid as a virtuoso himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at his great performance against Inter Milan. I mean, Mykon is probably delighted he's retired, even oh. though Mykon's retired himself. Like he, I'd say Mykon Bale tortures Mykon in his sleep. So you're kind of see now you're just you're stomping on everything now. No, do your do your rundown. Let's you're enjoy. Let's on luxuriate in so your rundown. I have my five bail goals of all time. I've and I've put them in order. So you can even you can debate the ones I've chosen. You can even debate the order. Uh, let's start with this number five, JJ, the 2012-2013 season for Tottenham. This was at Upton Park in the 90th minute with the score tied two two. Bail again. 
you know, that season, I, I just I, I needed to make sure I included one goal from that season. That was when he won, I believe, the PFA Player of the Year award. That was his last season at Spurs. He 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 used that season as the springboard to Real Madrid. Look, I, I've thought long and hard. If I'm ever asked a question by you know a, a friend or other Tottenham fan, who's the best player that you saw at Tottenham? And every part of me wants to say Harry Kane. I I because I he's probably my all time favorite player for them. Um, and I so badly want to say that, but JJ, there's something about Bale in that 2012, 2013 season where I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. It wasn't just the amount of goals that he scored because Kane has scored more in seasons than Bale did that year. I believe Sun scored more last year for Tottenham, uh, than Bale scored in that 2012, 2013 season, but it was just the go- the types of goals that he scored teeing them up like that one that we just played from West Ham there teeing them up from 30 yards out effortless late goals huge yeah. goals for them because that was when AVB was the manager and they were tight games a lot of you know one nils and two ones they're battling for a Champions League place desperately nearly got it at the end of the season uh, and it just felt like every time you're watching the game thinking god we need a goal we need a goal and there he was and it was just I don't know. I just I've never seen a player quite like him. That was the season, and then you really saw it at Real Madrid. You know, for all of the accolades that Bale has, you know, the the goals that he scored and the big moments that he scored. I think he's also the all time leader in boy to man transitions. <laughs> like if you look at what he physically looked like when he got to Spurs, and then you look at him at the end of his time at Tottenham, and then really look at him at Real Madrid, it's a different person. Uh, what did it? What hat? Like his training regimen must have changed so dramatically. He's un unrecognizable in like a four-year span from one guy to the next. It's incredible how he bulked up. You really saw it that season. It was incredible to watch. All right, next one, JJ. Here we go. This was sort of his – I mean, Tottenham fans knew at this point what they had with him, but this was kind of the introduction to the world. It was in the Champions League. He was 21 years old. It was at the San Siro in the group stage against Inter Milan. Tottenham trailed 4-0 in this one. It was a massacre. They were being slaughtered. And then he scored – and then he scored again, and then he did this. And Bale is in space again here, and Leonard has picked him out. Oh, this is incredible. This is quite incredible. Gareth Bale has scored a hat-trick at the San Siro. The hat-trick, it was the game, like I said, that announced him on, on this kind of stage, that, oh, my God, what what do we have here with this player? It was unbelievable to watch. Um, you know, the funny thing about that game too, is that they they lost, like it's one of those games. It sort of gets forgotten that they didn't win. They were getting killed. He got it down to four, three. Um, and then it sort of served as that was kind of the, okay, we can, cause Inter was the reigning champions at the time. That was kind of the, okay, we can play with these guys. And then if you remember JJ, the return leg, uh, in the group stage, when Inter came back to white heart lane, that was the Mycon game when it's, it's the best performance I've ever seen from a player who didn't score in a game. Yeah, the way Bale I mean, owned that game without scoring he, a goal, he absolutely did. And at that time, the narrative was: look at what Harry has unearthed from a player that Harry wanted to get rid of. I mean, there was a record where when Bale played for Tottenham, they didn't win, and he was always played kind of at left back. I mean, it's an unbelievable transition to become the most feared attacking player in world football after being a left-back that Harry Redknapp wanted to sell to Southampton again. Pretty incredible. Uh, All right, number three, JJ, here we go. Into the Real Madrid years. 110th minute, 2014 Champions League final. It's tied 1-1. 
but not anymore. He's got all the way here. Bale! It's Gareth Bale with the big moment. He scored the winner in the Spanish Cup final. He may well have done the same in the Champions League final. The Real Madrid. That proved to be the winner. Put Real Madrid up 2-1. Marcelo added one in the 118th, and then Ronaldo added a penalty in uh, extra time, stoppage time. 4-1 was the final, but in the hundred, remember, in the 110th, it was still 1-1. It was Bale on the header that uh, got Real Madrid that Champions League. Uh, it was Bale's first. It was the, the first of the five that they would go on to win in those years. Incredible stuff. Uh, all right, should we continue here? Number two. Um, some people might have a problem with this being number two. There might be people that think this should be number one. I had a hard oh, really? time deciding. Yeah, I think so. Copa del Rey final versus Barcelona. Match is tied in the 85th minute, and then Bale is unleashed. Bale looking to use his face. Well, he was taken out of here by Bartra, it's or tried to, anyway. but the referee's played a good advantage. Bale using that pace. Can he finish it? Oh, what a goal! Solo spectacular from Gareth Bale to probably win the Copa del Rey for Real Madrid. JJ, of all the goals that he scored, again, I didn't put it number one, but it's in a weird way. Like, maybe I should have. It's kind of my favorite because it's different than most of his other goals. Just like the will to get to that ball that he plays out in front of Bartra. I'm getting I mean, to this ball. I'm faster I think it, than you. But even the strength, you talked about oh, he turned into a man. Like he, Bartra should have been able to shoulder him out. When he goes down the outside, Bartra makes contact and he just he can't take him out of his stride. And once he hasn't hit him with the shoulder and knocked him out the game, it's over. He just destroys. And it's a good finish. It's it's a super goal. It's a yeah. really super goal. Uh, and then, last but not least, one of the greatest goals we've ever seen in a Champions League final. You would do that, that to me, wouldn't you? Yeah. It was that goal versus Liverpool. Spite me. Three in the box waiting for the cross, and it was Bale! Oh, what a Well, look, you got to let me talk on this goal because I saw it live. Mm. And um, you can kind of notice uh, from the from the the video footage, but you definitely could notice in the stadium, the TV footage, I mean, there was a two and a half second silence where some Real Madrid fans realized what had just happened. But it, it took that fraction of a second to explode. Because it was so unbelievable. Now, also, the ground was more or less dominated by Liverpool. It was Liverpool were in the in the Luzhniki were in a, a a shoehorn, and there was a pocket right behind that goal where Bale scored. He like he couldn't have picked a better goal to score. <laughs> um, but there was that second of what what, um, un, an unbelievable goal on a on a truly that was a that will go down as one of the biz, most bizarre European Cup finals we've ever seen. Why do you say um, that? Um, Loris Carius. It's all right to like people make mistakes, but to melt down in that fashion, mm. like his his performance dominated that game. Otherwise, it's a much closer game. It's a different game. Liverpool have a chance of coming back, but this one player literally gave the game away. Yeah. Um, also, the game was so you had this got goal. hurt. So it was it that. was good. 
Yeah, you had that as well. Um, Salah's injury too. So it was really quite a strange final. Um, but Bale's goal, truly acrobatic, amazing. But like I said, uh, 176 games for Real Madrid across nine years. Kind of speaks to the up and down nature of his time at the Bernabeu. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's always going to be a conflicting legacy. Um, there's no way around that. 176 in the league. I think it's yeah. 258 appearances overall. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. His Yeah, but... For my money, he's one of the best that I've ever seen, um, and I think I think time will bear that out, uh, even with some of the conflicting some of the conflicting nature of of his time, especially at Real Madrid. We'll have um, to post those goals. Uh, your your top five. You got to send that to me again because I will forget because I I do not commit to memory things that you say, mm-hmm. and uh, so you'll have to send that to me because I want to put that up and allow people to go after it at CO Soccer Pod on Twitter. Follow us there if you don't already. Pod at gmail.com if you want to take Andrew to task or me to task on anything we've said about Garrett Bale. That's the email. And Pod on Instagram. Uh, all right, now let's do this. Red card. What? Yeah. This is a, th- this is a throwback. Yeah, I know. I know. Nice. We we probably got to get more more back in the swing of doing this. Do you want to go first? Yeah, please. Um, I'll begin with my red card, as is customary. Uh, it's the NWSL sanctions that have come out, Andrew. Uh, the Attacking Third uh, podcast, they, they tweeted them out. Um, so the NWSL has announced fines and punishments in response to the findings of the joint investigative report into the well, let's call it what it was, the the abuse and coercive behavior of uh, some coaches involved in the league. So several former coaches are permanently banned from the NWSL. This will not shock anybody. Uh, Paul Riley, Christy Hawley, Rory Dames, and Richie Burke, they will not manage again in the NWSL. Um, No, they can't. They absolutely can't. Uh, Now, multiple clubs were also fined in response to the findings of the report. It seems to be like a a sliding scale depending on on the level of infraction. But here's just a taste of some of the fines. Uh, $1.5 million fine for the Chicago Red Stars. $1 million fine for the Portland Thorns, which I thought was on the lower end. $200,000 fine for Racing Louisville. $100,000 fine for the NC Courage. $50,000 fine for the OL Reign. And $50,000 fine for Gotham FC. Um, the league and its clubs have taken meaningful steps to begin this structural reform and understand and accept the continual commitment to enhancing league standards that are necessary to build a safe and positive environment for our players, staff, fans and partners that the NWSL statement regarding the corrective action. And uh, those details were taken from the attacking third on Twitter. So, I mean, I don't feel like it's the end of it. You know, the eyes are going to be on the league now from now on to make sure that, you know, serious changes are implemented, that this kind of thing can't happen again. I mean, such was the scale and the, the spread of the abuse in the league. But, um, yeah, it's good to see some. Now, some people will say those fines for the club seem small. You have to factor in the end, the size of the NWSL. Those are those are heavy fines, um, particularly at the higher end for for those clubs. 
uh, considering their revenues and etc. So yeah, I hope this is the start of something, but it just, uh, I had to make it my, it's good that this is happening, but just the whole thing, I had to make my red card. Gotcha. Uh, let's see, my red card, JJ. Here's Graham Potter on Christian Pulisic's condition following a hard challenge from John Stones last week. He said Christian opened up his knee in the game the other day, mm. so we're still analyzing it, but it's going to be weeks. Oh. oh. And it was, it was, the tackle was great. Yeah, I know. I know. I, just, I thought he was going to score, but John yeah. Stones, it was great. It was a great tackle, and it just caught Pulisic the wrong way. And so now my American brain, here it is, obviously in distress, because here we are in another one of those frustrating moments where Pulisic uh, has a hard time getting on the field. Then he does for a little run of games and then suffers an unfortunate injury setback. I feel like we've I feel like we've been here before. Now, this one to me is particularly frustrating because like. Because this one is kind of happening when we're in a moment in time where he was going to get that run of games like he was gonna have a chance to make an impact uh you mentioned this earlier but chelsea have just been crushed with this injury bug to almost an obscene level raheem sterling went off injured in the fifth minute of that same match uh then Pulisic, and then all of this uh obama yang unable to travel to manchester city for the the fa cup because of a back injury chelsea obviously also without reese james and golo Conte, ben chilwell wesley fafana edward mendy ruben loftus cheek armando broja i mean it's unbelievable uh so like it's just i guess that's what makes the Pulisic injury all the more frustrating is just because like he was he was going to be playing almost almost out of necessity he was going to have a shot to really reassert himself back in this lineup and make a great impression for this manager and now he's you just add him to the list and somebody else will take his place. And presumably that person will now have a chance to, uh, to make an impact on Potter. And it's going to be Pulisic will have to once again, fight his way back in, uh, you know, by the time he comes back, maybe Sterling is ready to come back. You know, it's, it's just, it's a shame. It's just, I feel bad for the guy. Terrible for him. Yeah. And uh, you wonder if he'll, by the time he comes back, will Graham Potter be manager uh, by the yeah. time he comes by the time he comes back, will it be the summer? And will Chelsea be look, you know, looking to move on from Pulisic? Hard to know. Well, the Potter thing. I know. Again, you you referenced it a little bit earlier uh, when I when I so politely asked you to wait until the podcast later on when I would get to it, and then you proceeded to go five minutes on it. Um, so Potter, like, what what do we? What do we do with this exactly? So they've lost six of nine, which is a bad look, of course. But like, can can you get to the that Potter out place when you're hearing like you're starting to hear some of those rumblings? Chelsea fans are obviously not happy. I get that, but like, I don't know. Part of me like you have to ask yourself, JJ, why it is that a manager takes over midseason? You know, like that yeah. doesn't usually happen for a club that's in a good place. You know, like when when Tuchel left. It was because they had just lost to Southampton, who are horrifying, Leeds, who are having a bad season, uh, Zagreb in the Champions League. That was that was the last straw before he got sacked. So, like, things were already not good. And now that's sort of continued. If you wanted that kind of new manager bounce, they, they only got it very briefly, but they've kind of reverted back to this that sort of struggles that they had under Tuchel. But now on top of that, they're dealing with all these injuries. I just... I don't know. I kind of think that unfortunately for Chelsea, you're sort of in a situation now where this is sort of, we're in like unjudgeable territory with Potter. I don't know what determinations you can take away 
from what's going to happen right now. The team is already struggling, and now you've sucked out all of these key players from their lineup. I don't know how you accurately judge the job he's doing. No, we've said on the pod before, this is the first time in 20 years where there'll be a new approach at Chelsea, where there's a manager, sorry, excuse me, an owner who wants to build something. and want Not that he... Abramovich didn't want to build something, but he, Abramovich mainly wanted to win things. He had very little patience for waiting. And we're being told that Potter's going to get all this time. But like I said, there are other factors that are going to push on this. There are other tensions there. And one of them is the fans, the supporters. I mean, it's hard to make the... I don't mean this as a slight to Chelsea fans. I'm saying this about all fan bases that get impatient with managers. But if you're taking your cues from the fans, that's that's not the right way to do business. It's been, Unless it's, it's Tottenham the... fans with Nuno. Well, it was correct. It was under Chelsea. It's senior senior players in the dressing room, you know, of the past. Your Terry's, your Lampards, or it was the fans. Uh, that's always the way they've been run. That's just a fact. Uh, that's the pressure. But um, I was talking to a, a Chelsea supporter tonight, uh, my friend Francie, and uh, I, I, you know, I said. I, I laid out my thing. I think Potter's a good manager. I think he sh- Chelsea should really just be different and give him time. And then I asked, I said, what's the danger zone? What's the point where you're looking at firing them? He goes, well, if they drop into the bottom half of the table. And there's a danger. There's a serious danger that's going to happen. And if that happens, you know, Chelsea are asking this guy to, to fly, but to also build the plane while you're flying. I mean, they're 10th right now. So I mean, like they're, <laughs> they're right on that line. Yeah, and it's it's as much as we want to say this is a new te- Chelsea, We ha- this is such a test of, of what Bowley is about now. It really is. Is no one going to look at what Arsenal allowed to ha- allowed Arteta to do? It, like, is, is, is that just going to be an but isolated example? But, but Arsenal aren't Chelsea. Arsenal had 25 years of Wenger, of stability. And they went and they gave Emery a go. It didn't really work out. And then they brought in a, a former player who won them an FA Cup, Andrew, early on. And that was enough for to keep the fans happy and to build on. But don't forget, there was there was times last season when they missed out on the Champions League that we thought Arteta was going to go the same way as as, as many managers do. Right. So, and I'm saying he didn't. And now look yeah, at how they're being rewarded. Chelsea aren't Arsenal. They've never, they haven't operated that way in the modern era. They just haven't. So I think you're you're hoping that Bowley, um, Bowley follows through and what and what we're hearing is is the case that that Potter is not under pressure, that Potter's job is safe, and that they understand that it's a rebuilding phase. But but I wonder. I just wonder. Uh, let's do this. Caught offside's man of the match. Ah, nice. You want to uh, go? Yeah, let me go. Uh, I'd like to say farewell to Gianluca Vialli, who passed away from a battle with pancreatic cancer three days ago, aged just 58. And I, I'm hoping I can take our listeners with me here because I know them. a lot of them are newer listeners. But take you back to a time when signings from Italy and the best players in Europe coming to the Premier League wasn't exactly de rigueur. It wasn't happening every week. And Gianluca Vialli, albeit he was in his early 30s, him coming to Chelsea was, I would say, the start of modern Chelsea, as we know it, um, Mm. even before Abramovich, but also the start of the modern Premier League. And he came in, 
and you know he came in with a reputation European Cup winner with Juventus and a person everyone had become accustomed to watching uh, Gazzetta Football Italia on Channel 4 so for a person of my generation he was just such a well-known face for for a man uh, from Italy from another country everybody knew who he was uh, I suppose his first love was Sampdoria Andrew so you, we were on about Leicester City earlier this is a, a provincial side uh, not from the traditional Italian heartlands of soccer. And he won a Scudetto, their only Scudetto uh, with them, uh, three Coppa Italia and the Cup Winners' Cup in 1990. And then they went to the European Cup final in 1992 and they only lost to Johan Cruyff's dream team, Barcelona. So this is, a, this is imagine Leicester winning the Premier League and then going on to a European Cup final or even winning a trophy in Europe. Just amazing. At Juventus, he won a Serie A, Coppa Italia and the Champions League. And then he came to Chelsea where uh, he won an FA Cup, League Cup, UEFA Cup Winners' Cup and was um, was a player manager. Hmm. So something that kind of had happened at Chelsea. They, they were a team that had them before. They'd Len Hoddle, Hullet and then uh, Gianluca Vialli. And he, he endeared himself uh, to the Chelsea fans and that 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 UEFA Cup winners cup win, Andrew, um, with Zola and um, Frank LeBeouf and and Viali, that was that was the thing that kind of spurred Chelsea on to be to be the team they were. And when he joined Chelsea, Andrew, they didn't have a proper training ground. Even they used to share grounds. They used to train in the park wherever they could. Um, and he was just the birth of of kind of modern Chelsea. And uh, I heard Craig Burley, a former teammate, speak of him today and Frank LeBeouf as well. And they didn't even want to focus on the football. They said beyond the pitch, he was just this amazing, amazing person. And he had this infectious smile and that he loved everyone and everyone loved him. And he was just a wonderfully charismatic person. And um, it was kind of fitting. He was a... he had a role in the Italian team at the European Championships in 2021. So he's on the field when they lifted that cup. And um, he didn't have the most amazing career for Italy at the national team level, but it was so lovely uh, for him to bookend his football career like that and indeed his life with that triumph for Italy. Um, so here's a, here's the Italian commentary of uh, Viali's second goal, second of two goals, in the 1990 European Cup Winners' Cup final win for Sampdoria over Anderlecht of Belgium. In penetrazione Mancini parte il cross goal! E gol, ancora di Vialli! Gol! Gianluca Vialli! Grande azione della Sampdoria! Gol! Gol! Della Sampdoria 2 a 0! So that was a... Uh... I lo- I lo- sometimes I love the foreign commentary, the, the just the pure passion in it, especially the, the Italian... But um, he was teed up for that goal, a wonderful cross by his teammate Roberto Mancini, who was manager of the national team last year that won the uh, European Championship. So they had an amazing relationship and they were brothers off the field. They played together all the way. They they lived their dreams at Sampdoria. And um, yeah, a particularly tough time as well as uh, um, Mancini buried his friend, I think there before Christmas, uh, a former teammate, Sinisa Mihailovic. So it's really terrible and it's tragic and it's awful. And um, it, um, like I said before about football and life, it's not fair and there is no justice. And it, 
it it happens to the best and to the worst of us. And he was one of the best. Yeah, very sad. Too young, fifty eight years old. Um, Awful. Very sad. Well said by you, JJ. Uh, let's see. No easy transition, uh, but uh, no. my man of the match, JJ. I went with. I mean, something far, far less serious. Um, Daryl DK and his return to form. It's kind of starting to make some waves. I think on on U.S. Soccer Twitter. That's pretty um, serious for some people. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> timing is everything, of course. And unfortunately for for DK, timing was such that injuries kind of submarined his chances of competing for the U.S. at a, a World Cup. Um, you know, like he wasn't really considered. Like I didn't see him on any lists or anything like that as to you know who it was coming down to. Um, but it's funny, uh, Eric Winalda, JJ. He he talked about it. Um, I saw a quote from him saying that you know he would have been somebody who should have been considered for this World Cup. Uh, where's the quote? I had it somewhere here. He said, "When you're the manager of a World Cup team, your job is to put the best players on the field. It's not really about systems. It's about your opponent. It's about matchups. This guy DK is going to be a handful for anybody. Anybody, even if he wasn't all the way there, he's still an unbelievable option off the bench. He wasn't fit. Been, I mean, that would have been something. Fit. He wasn't fit. That is." I, I honestly, I, I, I'm not. I listened to uh, to Bearhalter's um, Harvard Business Review speech, and there was many yeah. things in that that got me annoyed. And there's lots of things that we can say about um, Bearhalter, but Daryl DK wouldn't have been ready. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought so either. Um, I'm just reading. This is that was Eric Winalda's yeah, point okay. of view. There was Charles Bohm had a uh, a great feature on DK up at MLSsoccer.com, and he talked to a lot of former U.S. strikers about DK and how he and his progress. And everyone to a man, they all rave about him. Twelman, Gomez, uh, Winalda. I'm trying to remember. Charlie Davies, I think, was quoted in there. I mean, they all. It mm. feels like there's there's momentum building around him as being the next. You know, because it was him for a while. You know, he went to Barnsley. Uh, obviously, what he was doing at Orlando City, and then the injuries hit. And what did he, he only had a couple appearances over like an eleven it felt like months and months and months without well, really seeing him. Well, look, he was out with a thigh problem from August all the way through to the 5th of November. Yeah. Like Eric is, I mean, do your homework, man. <laughs> um, but he's flying now for West yeah, Brom in the championship. There's seven and one since his reintroduction to the lineup. He's got two goals and an assist and is pretty, but it's more than that. He's been just a, a key figure in their attacking buildup. Uh, and it's and it's going great. It's going great for him right now. So you hope that he can that he can continue. Um, I would say that it's likely he he won't be a part of the January this January camp. But I would say the uh, the March call ups for the U.S. Men's National Team when the Nations League games uh, go on. El Salvador. Who's the other one against? Ah, I'm blanking on it right now. But there's two. I would think he'd be a part of that as long as he's healthy and still playing at least close to this level. Obviously the U S are now like we're years away from a world cup, um, but gold cups, Copa Americas, hopefully things like that. It's not, it'll be here quicker than you realize. And so like this process of trying to identify who that guy up front is going to be, like we've said all along, lots of different guys have had chances. Ferreira, Haji, Wright, Sergeant. No one has really been able to take a stranglehold of the position. And so here we go back around to Daryl DK. He's the man of the moment right now. And we'll see if he can finally be the one, if he can, if he can stay healthy and get a run of games in him in the championship, you know, maybe we'll find out that we've had this guy all along. He just wasn't healthy at the right time. 11 so we'll goals see. in 29 championship games so far. So look, uh, honestly, 
there's times you see him and you think this guy's going to be unplayable, really yeah. unplayable with his physicality, his quick Diving feet. header over the weekend. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm, you know, when he's, when he's fit, let's hope he can stay fit. Um, he's, he's definitely an option. And, uh, and we don't, we don't really have anybody like him. Yeah. Yep. So there we go. Here's to Daryl DK. Hopefully he, he can continue to play at this level and can continue to emerge. JJ, that's about all I got. Oh, I'm out. That was a good pod now. The wheel has returned. I hope you all enjoyed it. It was nice to see the wheel again. I missed it. It was nice to see the wheel again. Um, I am going to post your your bail goals uh, in the morning because hmm. I uh, I really want people's feedback. I'm, there was um, uh, Newman, leader, leader of the animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, his favorite was actually a volley against Stoke. It's ridiculous, that goal. Yeah. I, I almost included it. Um. It, it, he gets his leg up like above his head on a volley, places it into the opposite top corner perfectly where it can't be saved. Uh, it's I, I wouldn't fault him if anybody wants to kill me for not including that. You're, you you might be right. You might be right. I just I didn't know where to shoehorn that one in. I needed one from his twelve thirteen season, and I needed the uh, the hat trick against Inter Milan. And to me, the other three have to be in there a champions league winning goal a bicycle yeah. kick in a champions league and the copa del rey one obviously so like i don't know like he's i mean i, I chose top five he's obviously scored more than five unbelievable goals in his career he, he but i would tell you that one that one you're talking about is crazy he scored a goal against wales i think in a european championship qualifier against I wales think, sorry against scotland ah. um and it was just it's a stunning goal absolutely stunning goal yeah, he's 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 a legend he's a legend he, he really is. Few legends on the podcast tonight. And can I just say, I think you were one of them. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Hey, this was fun. Let's go out on a high note with that. JJ, to you, I say. Check you later, phone boy. I'll see you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.